0: Today is April 27th. In 1954, the movie White Christmas was released. And here is a review from Bosley Crowther in the New York Times from October 15th of 1954. It was 12 years ago that Bing Crosby was in a place in a film called Holiday Inn, wherein he sang The Little Number Tagged White Christmas, written, as was all the music in that picture by Ber- er- Irving Berlin. The occasion was a happily historic for a reason we scarcely need recall, White Christmas, and Mr. Crosby became like God bless America and Kate Smith. So much so indeed that the notion of starring Mr. Crosby in a film that would either have the title White Christmas was broached as long as six years previous. Various obstructions beset it, but the purpose was ultimately achieved. White Christmas with Mr. Crosby opened yesterday at music hall. What's more, It is in Technicolor and VistaVision, which is Paramount's new widescreen device and has Danny Kaye, Rosemary Clooney, and Vera Ellen in addition to its focal star. A new batch of Irving Berlin numbers comprises its musical score. Paramount, to put it simply, has done White Christmas up brown, but oddly enough, the confection is not so tasty as one might suppose. The flavoring is largely in the lineup and not in the output of the cooks. Everyone works hard at the business of singing, dancing, and cracking jokes, but the stuff that they work with is minor. It doesn't have the old inspiration and spark. For one thing, the credited scriptwriters Norman Krasna, Norman Panama, and Melvin Frank have shown very little imagination in putting together what is sometimes called the book. They have hacked out a way of getting two teams of entertainers, a pair of celebrated male hoofers, and a singing sister act to a ski lodge in New England, reminiscent of the Holiday Inn, which happens to be run by the good old general of the outfit where the fellows were in during the war. And to show their appreciation of the good old general and the difficult circumstances he appears to be in, they provide free entertainment and call in a big rally of comrades for the Christmas holidays. It is a routine accumulation of standard romance and sentiment, blessed by a few funny setups that are usually grabbed with most effect by Mr. K., in the music of Mr. Berlin is good, a bit less than inspired outside of the old White Christmas, which is sung at the beginning and the end. There are only a couple of numbers that have a measure of charm. One of these is Count Your Blessings, a song of reassurance that Mr. Crosby and Miss Clooney chant, and another is The Best Things Happen While You're Dancing, which Mr. K. sings too, and which he and Vera Ellen cavort. Three numbers are given over to the admiration of generals and army life, which seems not alone an extravagance, but a reckless audacity. Even the sweetness of Dean Jagger as the old general does not justify the expense. Someone's nostalgia for war years in the U.S. O. Oh, tours has taken the show awry. Fortunately, the use of VistaVision, which is another process of projecting at a wide, flat screen, has made it possible to endow White Christmas with fine pictorial quality. The colors on the big screen are rich and luminous. The images are clear and sharp. The rapid movements are got without blurring or very little, such as is sometimes seen on other large screens. Director Michael Curtis has made his picture look good. It is too bad it doesn't hit the eardrums and the funny bone with equal force. In 2005, aviation history was made when the first A380, the world's largest commercial aircraft, successfully took off on its maiden flight leaving Blagnac International Airport in Toulouse, France at 10.30 local time from one-way 32L. The A380 first flight will take place above the region west of Toulouse in southwest France. The A380's first flight is being jointly captained by Claude Lelay, Senior Vice President of Airbus Flight Division and Chief Test Pilot and Vice President Jacques Rosé. The other crew members are Fernando Alonso, Vice President of Flight Division, Flight Test Engineering, who leads a team of two other flight test engineers, Jackie Joy and Manfred Benfield, and Test Flight Engineer Gerard Dubois. For its first flight, Airbus's 21st century flagship, carrying the registration FWW0W, took off at a weight of 421 tons, which is about 928,300 pounds, the heaviest of ever of any civil airliner to take off to date. It is powered by four Rolls-Royce Trent 900 engines in addition to water ballast, the equipment on board The A380 comprises a full set of flight test instrumentation to record thousands of parameters necessary to enable in-flight performance analysis. Being a true twin-aisle double-decker, the test A380 is fitted with two test instrument sets and working stations, one at the main deck and another on the upper deck. Prior to taking off, the A380 had successfully completed a series of ground tests which started in the summer of 2004 when the electrical power was put on for the very first time, so-called power on milestone. Since then, Airbus has systematically and exhaustively tested all of the A380 systems from hydraulics to electronics and all parts of the airframe structure, including static testing and wing and fuselage load testing, a program that has been carried out over thousands of hours at centers across France, Germany, and the UK. The first flight marks the beginning of a flight test campaign involving as many as 2,500 hours of test flights on a total of five development aircraft. This rigorous sequence of test flights will lead to the certification of the A380 by the European and U.S. Airworthiness authorities, allowing the world's largest commercial airliner to enter the service in the second half of 2006 with first operator, Singapore Airlines. Airbus has optimized the A380's flight performance and economics by incorporating cutting-edge technologies in systems and materials. It benefits from the significant weight savings brought about by composites and other advanced materials, which comprise 25% of its structure, and from the weight, reliability, and cost benefits of new systems such as its 5,000 PSI pressure hydraulic system. It also benefits from an advanced cockpit with the latest interactive displays and avionics that retains the unique benefits of Airbus's operational commonality between all fly-by-wire models. The 555-seat A380 Airbus, newest and largest aircraft, offers unequaled passenger comfort, longer range, and much lower operating costs thanks to state-of-the-art technology and its engines minimized noise, fuel burn, and emissions. The A380 is a significant evolutionary step in the history of commercial aviation that promises to ease congestion at major airports by transporting more people more efficiently than ever on the world's major air routes. To date, 15 customers have announced firm orders and commitments for a total of 154 A380 family aircraft comprising 127 passenger aircraft from 13 customers and 27 freighters from four customers. The freighter version of the A380, the A380F, will enter into service in 2008. And finally, in 1994, More than 22 million South Africans turned out to cast ballots in the country's first multiracial parliamentary elections. An overwhelming majority chose anti-apartheid leader Nelson Mandela to head the new coalition government that included his African National Congress Party, former president F.W. de Klerk's National Party, and Zulu leader Mangasui Bethuse and Katha Freedom Party. In May, Mandela was inaugurated as president, becoming South Africa's first black head of state. In 1944, Mandela, a lawyer, joined the African National Congress, the oldest black political organization in South Africa, where he became a leader of Johannesburg's youth wing of the ANC. In 1952, he became deputy national president of the ANC, advocating nonviolent resistance to apartheid, South Africa's institutionalized system of white supremacy and racial segregation. However, after the massacre of peaceful black demonstrators at Sharpeville in 1960, Mandela helped organize a paramilitary branch of the ANC to engage in guerrilla warfare against the white minority government. In 1961, he was arrested for treason and although acquitted, he was arrested again in 1962 for illegally leaving the country. Convicted and sentenced to five years at Robben Island Prison, he was put on trial again in 1964 on charges of sabotage. In June of 1964, he was convicted along with several other ANC leaders and sentenced to life in prison. Mandela spent the first 18 of his 27 years in jail at the brutal Robben Island Prison. Confined to a small cell without a bed or plumbing, he was forced to do hard labor in a quarry. He could write and receive a letter once every six months, and once a year he was allowed to meet with a visitor for 30 minutes. However, Mandela's resolve remained unbroken, and while remaining the symbolic leader of the anti apartheid movement, he led a movement of civil disobedience at the prison that coerced South African officials into drastically improving conditions on Robben Island. He was later moved to another location where he lived under house arrest. In 1989, F.W. de Klerk became South Africa's president and set about dismantling apartheid. De Klerk lifted the ban on the ANC, suspended executions, and in February of 1990 ordered the release of Nelson Mandela. Mandela subsequently led the ANC in its negotiations with the minority government for an end to apartheid and the establishment of a multiracial government. In 1993, Mandela and de Klerk were jointly awarded the Nobel Peace Prize. One year later, the ANC won an electoral majority in the country's first free elections, and Mandela was elected South Africa's president, a position he held until 1999. You have been listening to the This Happened Today in History podcast. I thank you for listening and I hope that you have enjoyed learning about historical events from the past. Thank you to the following websites for their information regarding today's topics. The the movie White Christmas reviewed on nytimes.com, France Airbus A380 on airbus.com and South Africa's Nelson Mandela at History.com. The music used as the background track for this podcast is Americana, created by Kevin McLeod on com. If you enjoyed this information and would like to hear more, please consider subscribing, as this will keep the historical events in your feed in the morning for each day. I hope you have a great day.